0: What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Oz, Benji Wozniak. And this week, Kira and I are going over the comedy classic, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein.
1: Now, what's so funny about this is I will say out the gate, I am not a well-versed Abbott and Costello person. All I really knew was who's on first. I was taught that in like my 10th grade English class, and we were learning about like, I don't know. We were just, we were studying it. And that was all I really knew about them. And then I did know peripherally that they did, were they were this comedy duo. But this was the actual first movie from them I've ever seen. So what's your history with them and the film? Okay, so I am older.
0: <laughs> and my father was older than me, of course. And my father grew up watching Laurel and Hardy, Charlie Chaplin, Abbott and Costello. So for me, my dad got me into watching the older comedy duos like was it uh babes in toyland with laurel and hardy and i'm a huge huge fan of abbott and costello i've watched almost all their movies meets frankenstein is one of my favorites uh meets the killer is another comedy classic um hold that ghost so there's there's tons and tons of of abbott and costello movies that like for me i just i could sit and watch all day
1: absolutely And that's so cool that their film history is so rich and that they have such, like, a lasting impact. I mean, I love a physical comedy, and I don't think until I actually watched a movie, because when you're reading it, you don't get it, but how physical their comedy is and how they, like, commit to the bit. I was so impressed by it.
0: Yeah, there's one part of Frankenstein meets Frankenstein where the monster's hand comes through the door, and Costello was on cue. He was supposed to stand at a certain point, and he knew that if he... Went a little further, the monster's hand would actually strike him. So he did it on purpose to get hit, and then like he did this like whole little spit with it. And they kept
1: it in the movie because they thought it was just so funny. It is so funny. And I think like that, I love that. And I love when actors commit more than like what they're supposed to. And I think that they, you can tell that they're like really passionate. They're trying to have a good time with it. While reading some history on the film, I know that there was a lot of like studio things that went wrong. And we got Bella Lugosi, but we don't have Boris Karloff in the film. We just have him promoting it never to have never seen it so I know that there's some drama but when you're watching it it feels like it's such a fun time and we're gonna dive into more of what the film's about and what it goes through but it is fun and it was a lot it was really interesting I thought
0: yeah and like to know that like they thought Bella Lugosi was dead they didn't even know he was alive
1: to do Dracula I know. <laughs> so that's pretty funny he's like no no I'm alive He's like, uh-huh. no, I I want to be in this movie. Right. So getting into it, we have Abbott and Costello. Their names are Chicken Chicken Lou. Yeah. Chicken Lou, and as you know, they're two very different body types. We have Abbott, right? Yeah. The taller one, Chick in the movie. That's how I'm going to refer to him. So we have Chick, who's like. Taller, what you would consider more classically, like, good-looking, I guess. But to me, he was old. And then we have Costello, the shorter one, who is kind of dim-witted. They make him out to be heavy set, heavy set smaller. What someone would deem unattractive. But what I love about it is that every turn, he is the most attractive man in the movie. And I think it is... So to the point where Chick was like, You got two girls, I don't even have one. Like, I'll like, what am I doing? I loved it. And Lou and Costello was just like, I'm like a good guy. Like, maybe they just like like me. And I think that is a really important point because I'm gonna get rambly because I have a lot to say about this movie. But I love that dichotomy and how it plays later when we see the our two main females. We have the classic, dark haired, femme fatale, like obviously the bad one, because that's how you can discern good good women and bad women in film is by their hair color and then we have the more softer investigative journalists miss do right and i think and they're both interested in costello they don't they don't care about chick at all yeah. and i think it is so what is how do you view that because obviously we come from different time points so what when you saw that because to me it was a big part of the movie well it's the classic
0: villainous black hair she's the villainous the way the damsel is the blonde hair you know, when you you picture, like, you know, the princesses and the, you know, they're mostly they're considered with blonde hair. I mean, then they go off, some princesses go off the box with, like, you know, Snow White has black hair. Normally, when you think of a damsel in distress, it was like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that, like, you know, was very attractive. And she was, like, the, the heroine. And that's where we get the investigator and then the doctor was the bad
1: right but what I loved is like when we're it when you use the word damsel in distress like I viewed Costello as the biggest damsel in yes, distress was, for the yes. whole movie <laughs> and I loved that the late the doctor she was a lady she was evil obviously because she used her dark-haired powers of seduction to get him to Dracula's manor and then we have the investigative journalist who's like I'm gonna come and save you And like, I thought that was so funny because we usually see women in this role. So I liked it that it was turned, obviously, Abba and Castello being the main players of this film, they're going to have the titular roles. But I thought it was really interesting to see that they didn't damsel one of their women. They had themselves damseled.
0: Yeah. And I thought that it was really good how they put the film together. You know, Chick and Lou are basically, they work in like a delivery service. Uh, like on a dock or something where like crates come in for McDougal's House of Horror and it's got Frankenstein and Dracula in them. And, you know, they just think it's just props, but in reality, it really is Frankenstein and Dracula in them.
1: And I think McDougal also thought that they were props. Yes, yes. Like no one knew that they were real, which was, I thought that one scene when they're like, when castell's on top of the giant crate Great. <laughs> it is so funny i mean the lengths that they go to when you said charlie chapman i totally see his like silent film influence granted this movie to come out in 1948 so you do have that black and white like old hollywood feel to it but i felt like it still held up today
0: oh yeah 100 it's so funny and like you know the fact that they had all the monsters like you know the wolf man comes long cheney he knows that the real monster but no one believes him just like no one believes Lou and like they so they go back and forth and like Lou knows it's the monster but he also thinks that Chaney's a nutbag besides Chick thinking he's a nutbag too
1: right like and I just love how like no one believes each other one of the best sequences to me was when Chick is trying to drop off Lon Chaney's bags and he's like already transforming into this like monster and they just keep like missing each other in this hotel room it is such Is just such a great example in a study of like perfect comedic timing. And every, I think everything that they do in this movie is super intentional. Yes. Everything has a point. It all loops back around. It's so funny. So I want to get back. Let's get back into the story. So Chick and Lou obviously get embroiled into this scheme when they, when the McDougal thinks they harm his wax figures, not knowing that they're real, but having it be a plan set up by Dracula and the doctor, the lady doctor. We'll call her Dr. Dark Hair because, guys, I forget their names. (laughs) So because they want to get Lou's brain to put into Frankenstein, which is so funny. They're like, he's so dumb and he's so dimwitted. Like, we can do it. We can fool him. We can get him in. And it's like, okay, but why are you trying to put like a dumb brain? Into Frankenstein. Like, wouldn't you want a smart brain? Or are you saying that, like, you couldn't fool a smart person? Uh, I think Dracula wanted him to be
0: controllable. not Oh, true, true, true. Not crazy, like, the, the brain that's in it. Because he, he had, Dra- Frankenstein's brain was the brain of a lunatic. Because yeah. Igor had dropped it in the real brain and put the, the lunatics in it. So Frankenstein basically is uncontrollable, and he's, he can be controlled to an extent, but when he gets mad, then all oh, things are off, and that shows in the movie. Like yeah. When he, gets, when he gets his power back, and he's really charged up, you ain't stopping him. And even Dracula's
1: like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like, oh, God, what did I awake? Yeah. But it's so good. It's so funny. I love... I love the idea that all these people have come from separate places and separate origins, but through pop culture and through all these things, like they've come together. It's like, in what world would Dracula and Frankenstein's monster be friends? Because that doesn't make sense. Frankenstein's monster in the book canonically goes to Antarctica to be alone because he is so deep and philosophical and understands the human condition so much that he understands that by looking the way he looks, he'll never have a life, which I think is so profound. I mean- that monologue. Did you read Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? Yes. Okay, so you know that monologue I'm talking about at the end. It's incredible, but I think it's so funny now that we've created Frankenstein's monster into this very like comical, brutish, angry. And I, I would love to think, I'd love to hear you, your thoughts on where you think that came from. So when
0: they made the monster, they basically wanted Dr. Frankenstein to be the villain. Like Dr. Frankenstein is the villain. Well, like, he is the villain. He's yeah, a necromancer. He, he's definitely the villain. And the monster isn't really a villain. It's more of like a child. Yeah, he, he's new to the world. He's he doesn't understand things. Like in the movie, there's a little girl throwing flowers in the water, and Frankenstein picks her up, and throws her in the water, and she drowns. He didn't do it to be mean. He just doesn't understand. And I think that's the point of the monster. The monster's someone that's naive doesn't understand, and the world around him doesn't understand him. So they villainize. Him. They're like, oh, he's, he's, he doesn't look good. He was stereotypically ugly. He was dumb. He, I mean, he, he was decaying. <laughs> right. And so people look at him. It's like society. They, if someone walked up and was ugly, brutish, you know, people are going to shy away from him. They're going to make judgments of him. And I think that was what happened with the monster. And the monster's only reaction was to attack because he doesn't know. It's like fight or flight, you know. So he's basically... They're coming after him with pitchforks and stuff like that. What's he supposed to do? I mean, wants to live. So I think that's where the monster, like, it's not really a monster.
1: No, absolutely. And then we see this iteration of a very comical monster. Okay. And we see Lou, who is also very comical, very, like, as I would say, has some parallels to the monster. A little misunderstood by his friend. Obviously, is not what the standard of beauty is at that time but is pulling beautiful women. I do want to get back into the relationship between the two women and their portrayal in this movie because that to me was kind of out of left field. Like I wasn't expecting these two women to drive the plot the way they did because yes, Lou and Chick drive the plot. Yes, Frankenstein's monster and Dracula drive the plot. Yes, the wolfman drives the plot. But not to the point that these women are actually the ones pulling the strings. They're get they're the ones that are getting these people to these locations. They're the ones that are furthering the plot, which I thought was so progressive. Because in film, we like to talk about how we're trying to be so pro- progressive. We're in like the hashtag girl boss and like Me Too and like not Me Too. That's not what I meant, but like we're in this like hashtag girl boss, lady boss like era. Like, and I feel like if you look back, women in film were way more respected like I felt like these two women were respected throughout the whole film in each granted they were in these very stereotypical roles of dark hair equals bad blonde hair equals good we're still trying to unlearn a lot of that, but I think it was interesting that they had so much agency and power within themselves
0: yeah I mean Dracula needs the doctor to perform this he can't do it himself he needs her, so like when she rebels against him he basically like, makes her into, like, his slave, because he knows that he can't, like, she even says it, she goes, my will is just as strong as yours, and he goes, we'll test it, Exactly, you know? like, we'll keep going, and make yeah. it go. but I'm saying, like, like, so you can see that she's her own independent woman, and then the same thing with the detective, the detective, they're like, you know, you should let us do this, and she's like, I got this, she's like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to do this myself, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this, you know, so.
1: And she's, like, the one that thinks of the plan, to have them, like, infiltrate the castle. is like, oh, we're all going to the Masquerade Ball, even right. though the intention is to never go to the ball. I think it's so interesting that both these women are driving forces in the movie because, yeah. obviously, they do end up getting sidelined for Abba and Costello, but I think, if you look at it story-wise, they were the main point. Well, not the main points, but
0: you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, they're the driving force behind the movie. They really are. I, was, I mean, it's one point when they get to the Masquerade Ball and the Wolfman says, Dracula, and he's like, I'm not I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, you're Dracula. The monster's here. And, you know, I think her name's Cassandra. Yeah. She looks at him and goes, tell me more. Because she believes him. She wants to know exactly what's going on. And Dracula's like, no, no, I'll tell you. You know, so, like, she, she's very assertive. And, like, both women are very assertive at a time, time period when women weren't really assertive.
1: And so, for me, that was amazing. Exactly. Or in a time period where yes that women were repressed in different ways so to see them like this in film it's like obviously they're dealing with different types of stereotypes that, that we're looking at but i thought it was really interesting because now when we look at film like well we can say like oh we're getting so progressive and we're moving so much forward but like are we yeah. are we because i feel like now we're getting more pigeonholed into these into roles and like we're trying to i mean obviously it comes and goes in different cycles, like. I'm so excited for the new, okay, we're going to get off track for a little bit, but like I'm very excited for the new Wakanda Forever. It's going to be yes uh, incredible. And you know, it's it's all focused around the ladies from the first film. So I'm excited for this because it's done in a way that, I mean, obviously R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, if you were still alive, the movie would be a different thing, of right. course. But to have them nat- pivot so naturally into this, I think is so incredibly powerful and i think it really resonates okay where was i going with this i got so ex- excited i'm so excited for wakanda forever <laughs> i literally cannot wait November and, i know and i never get excited for superhero movies because marvel's like been really pooping it out okay let's get back to this besides of like whatever i think but i love i love the representation in this film not for anyone other than white this whole movie is white there's not a Single person of color. I am so sorry to say. Different time. Different time. But I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's not like they like people of color didn't exist. Like yeah. it's not. It's. I it, think they're at the party. Maybe maybe, maybe. 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 That's a that's <laughs> a strong maybe. maybe. But okay. But we can get back into the movie. I just had a little a little rant. Maybe I'll go on another one later. But so I really loved the film. I thought it's really cool that this movie kind of so effortlessly has brought together all these classic monsters. Yes. Whereas we we saw DC and Warner Brothers try to bring back the monsters, and they failed. They couldn't do it. Van Helsing? Van Helsing, and then they did Tom Cruise's The Mummy, which was supposed to do The Dark Universe with Russell yep. Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yep. We had, what's his name? He did The Wolfman. Del Toro. What's his first name? Benicio Del Toro. Oh, we yeah, got yeah. it. He did his Wolfman. They were going to have The Rock be the swamp thing. Like, they were trying to build this universe and make right. it dark. Didn't work. And look at how effortlessly they did it with the with Bella Lugosi. Like, it's just so crazy to me that I think now we try to complicate things so much where it could right. be so easy.
0: I know the funny thing is this movie, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, was the last time that the three monsters were together until Van Helsing came out. And then they brought them back all together. So that was kind of amazing because that's such a long time period. To so, ahead,
1: 1948 know. to what? Early 2000s? Early 2000. Like that's crazy. That's 60 years. That's crazy to me. Yep. And all these monsters have been like so used in other things. Right. I do like, the end. The end actually was one of my favorite parts of this movie when they escape from the from everything. They're getting off the island. They're in the boat, and the Invisible Man's like, "Don't forget about me." Yeah, Vincent Price. Yep, <laughs> that so was so good. That was so funny. And I was like, "Wow, they really covered all their bases, and they really paid a great homage to yes the classic monsters." Yes, they did, and I think just the interaction with
0: Lou and the monster were great. Like when they're oh. sitting when he's sitting on his lap and like so if you read into the story you read the the backstory he kept on ad-libbing so the monster the guy playing the monster would crack up laughing and they had to do numerous takes on this and if you watch the movie you can see like when he gets up the monster is smiling because he just couldn't stop laughing because of lou because lou is just so funny then when they're on the table and he's like junior (laughs)
1: <laughs> junior he's like come save me it's
0: so funny right it's so fun and then when the monster and the wolf man are pushing the table and he's on it and he's like whoa, whoa! <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny and it's like it's like that like effort I, I know it's not effortless but i'm gonna use the word effortless but like this like effortless like charisma and like just like hilarity yeah. that they embody I don't think we had seen against until we got Robin Williams, who is just or was just incredible.
0: Uh, One thing I like about Abbott and Costello is like nowadays movies, like there's a lot of like for the comedy, they have to use a lot of vulgarity. They have to use a lot of swearing. They have to use a lot of demeaning of people. Abbott and Costello really don't. It's a pure comedy. I mean, it's funny as all get out, but they don't do demeaning stuff. They don't really like attack anybody. They're just having fun.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I would say the only demographic within this film besides all the demographics that they blatantly ignore would be like bigger people. Yeah. Because of Lou, they punch down on him a lot saying yeah. like how could you pull women with your size? Like you're dumb. Yes. What do they see in you? But I think he has such a good humor, sense of humor about it. He's like, I'm a great guy. What wouldn't what, what they see in me? Right. You know? So I liked the movie more than I thought. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, it's going to be like a slow sort of. Yeah. But it was hilarious. Yeah.
0: Uh, like we touched a little bit on the pot when Chick is talking to Lou about what he has. He goes, if you had two cigarettes, you'd share them with me. He goes, absolutely. He goes, if you had two pairs of shoes, you'd share them with me. He goes, absolutely. He goes. You have two girls. He goes. Well, why don't you take the cigarette and the shoes and take a walk? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, and that is so funny because he's like, "Why? Like, I'll share with you. I'll share with you." But I think too, like to a point, Lou understands that like you can't share people. Right. I'm not going to pawn one of these ladies off, which I think is like this male mentality. Not. Yeah. Not to get into the no, male listen, psyche. I listen, I get it. But it's like, oh, like, oh, well, if there are two girls and there's two of us, one for each of us, how does that math work? People are gonna like who they like. Like, you can't just because we're paired up doesn't mean I owe you anything. And I think it's a it's a thing we see in movies and TV, and I think in real life all the time. Like, I don't know what your experience is with that. You're obviously male. I think it's
0: true. I like to hit on that conversation again later on. They have another conversation. He talks about how Chick had set him up with a girl. Oh yeah. And he's like. Did you see that tooth? <laughs> he's like, the one tooth. Like, like it's really funny because, like, if you see Cassandra and the doctor, Dr. It was Monet, a German name? She's really pretty. Like, they're pretty. And very, like, classically
1: for the yeah. 1940s. Beautiful. And,
0: you know, for Lou to get these girls, he's really impressed with himself. And, you know, he looks at Chick like, look, you did have girls try to, you know, but you pawned off what wasn't a good looking woman on me just so you could have the good looking woman. Now I got two good looking women. Why do I have to do anything to you?
1: do anything and i think it's kind of like if i had a friend like chick i would be like i don't think you're really my friend right chick was a bad friend yes he is mean yeah he gives under someone he would deem undesirable to his friend i'm sorry i want the best for all my friends right
0: and i think that's what the thing about those two is it's like they're they play off each other oh yeah where chick is the bad guy he's not a good friend he's not and lou is a good friend he's like a good friend and he he tries to help chick he's like look there's these monsters and i want you not to get killed and chick's like you know Pfft, i don't believe you and he's chick. like no i believe trust me you got to believe me
1: cuz we're going to die <laughs> yeah seriously it's so crazy and like i don't know like he's just like oh you're stupid you're dumb you're dim-witted like how can you're you can't even stack boxes right they're falling on top like he is so mean to him but right. lou is so just like he's like a golden retriever he's like well this is my friend let's go believe me or not we're doing it together just like
0: i I think at the end and you see chick come around he's oh like, absolutely well he, he's like you know we survived the monster. We survived Dracula. We survived the wolf, man. You know, and he's like, do you believe me now? And he's like, I believe... You know, like, yeah. so Lou's kind of got the upper hand on him. He's like, yeah, and that's when the Invisible Man comes out and they both jump off the boat together. <laughs> and it's so funny.
1: I I was such a huge fan of this movie, more so than I thought.
0: You got to see Meet the Killers.
1: I, I'll, I'll watch it next. Oh,
0: Meet the Killers is so funny. It's got Boris Karloff. It's He did this movie after... He refused to do anything with this movie except right. uh, do promotions. Which is misleading. <laughs> yeah. So he is in meet the killers so it's it's really funny and if you get a chance there's another one called hold that ghost where they go to a haunted mansion it's it's hysterical like these guys are really great classic comedy guys and if you listen to this podcast i advise you just to watch one of their movies and you'll greatly appreciate their talent it's sheer raw talent uh, that these two have and how they play off each other
1: it is it absolutely is that kind of relationship and like I don't know, like chemistry and just like level of understanding and trust that you have to have with another person to be so in sync and as funny as they are. I don't think I think it's a rare thing. I don't think we see it a lot anymore. I don't know who I would call a comedy duo of this day that I have to see.
0: uh. Well, they're trying to do some pairings. They got The Rock and Kevin Hart. They they have some funny moments. Adam Sandler's been pairing up with some people
1: doing yeah, movies. Yeah, but like working with your friends is different, I think. Because yeah. at the end of the day, they're all still stars in their own right, where I don't think you could separate Abbott from Costello. No. And they would be successful on their own. No, these are people who are successful on their own. Come together as a duo, yeah. As a duo.
0: No, I don't. I don't see anybody right like that right now that mm-hmm. you can honestly say that pairs off each other and is so funny together. Yeah, um, I mean, th- there's comedians that you pair up and they're funny together. And then other than that, like I know Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker, that was funny. That was funny. Okay, but I, they they did their own things. By themselves. They did their own
1: thing. Yeah. Can I tell you the new rush? Not the new, the but rush hours are now all streaming on Netflix. So I have been watching one and two and they are funny, but whoo, they are some parts are a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, Uh, we won't get into that one, but maybe we'll we'll do it later. But yeah, I was watching it and I was like, absolutely did not remember this. But when you watch a movie like Abbott Castell that came back so long ago and you're like, wow, I'm not offended by anything in this movie. It is just a funny movie. It's pure comedy. It doesn't punch down. I mean, obviously we talked about the issues, but it's not like it's. It, it's not like it's intentionally trying to do harm or making jokes at the disp- expense of others, except for Costello, who's in on the joke because he wrote it. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing is when they
0: first got the script, they didn't like it. Oh, yeah. They hated it. They thought they, what they say, my daughter can write a better script yeah. than this. So uh, there was a lot that went into this movie. This movie just wasn't made. They was a lot of like rewriting there was a lot of casting issues. Like I said, they thought Bella Licosi was dead. <laughs> they had to get the Cheney. had to get the right scheduling to get into this movie so he, like, he could be in it. Kyle Loffer absolutely refused to be the person. So there was a lot of stuff that went on behind the
1: scenes. But
0: when it all came together, it's probably one of, it's an all-time classic.
1: Easy, easy. And now I'm going to add it to my like Halloween rotation. Yep. Yeah, you have to because it's. They say it's not
0: part of the Monsterverse because in the Monsterverse, Long Chaney Jr. loses his ability to turn into a werewolf in House of Dracula. Okay. and But that House of Dracula had Chaney and didn't have Lugosi. It didn't have Karloff. It didn't have Vince Price. So they don't consider that like the original monsters because right. the, the original monsters are Karloff, Bella Lugosi, and Chaney. Those yeah. are the originals. And this is the closest thing you get to having all of them in the movie. Even though Karloff wasn't in it, he did promote it.
1: He did promote it. So you know you'll have a photo of them all together there. But yeah. I think it's I think it's exciting. I think it's great. I love If you've listened to the podcast, you know we love a horror comedy to think that this is where some of that has has started is this movie here. I think is amazing and it's crazy. It cra- it's crazy how things interpret and change throughout the years, I think. Yes. Yep. And this is this is one of them and it's it's so good. Highly recommend. I had to rent it on Amazon. I don't know how you watched yours. Uh, I bought it. Uh, oh,
0: okay. I I bought it two years ago, so I have it on movies anywhere. That's how oh, much okay. I love
1: this movie. It's a it's a great movie. I should have bought it, but highly 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 recommend. Well, we're rounding out our spooky October with a few more movies, and we're going to be covering some newer ones now that we've done some older ones. But we're excited, and then in November, I'm trying to think: Are there any like real Thanksgiving movies that are good? I don't. Not really. Not really. Maybe. uh, Well, we'll see. We'll dive in. Maybe we'll do a no something November. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll continue doing horror movies. We'll call it Scary November. Scary November. Why not? (laughs) No turkey November. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll think of something. We'll think. Well, I hope you guys have a great time. I'm going to send it to Ben. All right. Well, we're going to round
0: it out round and say goodbye. Uh, Tune in next week to What's Happening.